And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. All right, James, we're doing this right before, or a few hours before Game 5 in Boston. Hello. We are standing in TD Garden here after the morning skate where there's a very interesting development in what the Leafs are going to try with their line combinations. Well, so for anyone who uh, uh, didn't see, it uh, looks like they're going to change around their lines for Game 5. They're going to have Connor Brown playing with Austin Matthews and Zach Hyman. They're going to have Thomas Plakanich centering Andreas Janssen and William Nylander. They're going to have Kapanen playing with Bozak and Van Riemsdyk. And then Kadri back between Marlowe and Marner. That's at least the way that they did it in the warm-up. Uh, we could see changes. You know, Mike Babcock said this morning that he was thinking about you know, maybe changing around some of the centers on some of those lines. Uh, but what's kind of like your top line thought to, to what he's done? I just think that he's there hasn't they haven't been effective with Matthews and Nylander playing together. So I think that that's the number one takeaway. And I think the other thing is that they're rewarding Andreas Janssen, who's probably going to play a lot more than fourth line minutes if he's there with Plakanich and, and Nylander. So, and I wonder if what you see is is JVR and and Bozak and Kapanen are the actually the fourth line, and that they only get ten minutes. And that that wouldn't surprise me because they haven't been super effective at even strength. Well, and I think one thing we saw with Thomas Plakanen playing a lot the last couple games is like he looked more like the player I think they probably thought they were getting. Right. And Mike Babcock has talked about the fact that you know he's feeling important, he's feeling good about himself, and maybe he just looks at it and says, you know, if we play him a little bit more and we play him with some skilled players, maybe that line can be more effective than Bozak and Van Rainsake. He's looked excellent. He's looked really, really good. He looked kind of what Thomas Plakanich sh- should look like. I mean, I don't know what was... It was a long stretch of games there where he didn't play the way he could. But he's... What I was saying during the, the last game is he's really good with his stick. He's really good at getting in the lanes. He's really smart positionally and defensively. He was... And he generated offensive chances as a result of that in that his forecheck was good. Uh, neutral zone's really good. He's the kind of player that you need in a really tight series like this against a, a smart team like Boston. So... You know, they um, obviously he got the goal in Game Four, but they need a big game out of him in in Game Five. They need they need a big game out of a lot of guys, but he's one of the ones that's going to be important, especially as they move him up the lineup. Well, I think we really kind of, and I did this myself. We underestimate like how difficult it is to go from being an 18, 19, 20 minute player to suddenly playing nine minutes, eleven minutes, twelve minutes. Like you just think in terms of, like rhythm of the game. Like suddenly, instead of playing every few shifts, suddenly you might go a while between shifts and like you can't get into the game you don't feel you're important like you lose your confidence 
and now it seems like he he's back to being that. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was noteworthy is that Leo Komarov is healthy and can play, and he's not. And that Mike Babcock is sitting him, so that's uh, that's the right move. And I think it's a it's a big step because Babcock hadn't done that when he's been healthy all year. So you know, uh, tip of the cap to Babcock for doing that and leaving Janssen and Kapanen in, who have been whose speed has really caused problems for the Bruins' defense in this series. Well, and, and so like one of the things like you mentioned, uh, getting Neander away from Matthews. One thing this does is it gets Neander away from Chara. Um, because, like, you, you think of the way that Neander's played in the series, he's always going right against Chara. Chara's the left side, Neander's the right winger. And maybe now you free him up, you play him with Janssen, who's got some speed, got some skill, and maybe that gets him going. Like, maybe it just, maybe it, as much as we look at Matthews, maybe this helps get Neander going too. Because, like, as much as Matthews has become the focus, Neander's been a lot quieter in the series. Like, Matthews, you can at least look at it and say, like, he's had some shots, he's had a few chances. Neander, I can't really point to a lot of plays and say he made a play. No, I think you're right, and I think the numbers say the same. I think, what does Matthews have, 18 shots on goal or something like that? 17, which is pretty... It's great. It's better than his rate during the season. So he's been... And you look at the high danger chances, and you look at scoring chances, and uh, scoring chances on natural stature, he's first in the NHL in the playoffs. First in, in the ones that he's generated. Uh, I think Nylander only has eight shots on goal, seven or Six. eight. Yeah, so he's well below what he typically would create. So I think that, I think you're right. I think Char is a big part of it. If you look at, at that game four, at the stat line for Nylander, he had, I think, three shots blocked and one missed the net or two missed the net. So he was taking attempts, but he just wasn't able to get them through mm-hmm. on Chara. And he's probably the wrong kind of player to have to play against Chara. When you look at Matthews, though, like it's hard, as much as we can look at some of those numbers, it's hard to look at his series and say he's been great or like he's been super effective. He's been okay. And, and the problem with someone of his caliber is like you can't, you can't really win in the playoffs if your best players are okay. And like you look in this series, the Leafs' best players haven't been their best players. And it's not just him. Like we can talk about Frederick Anderson. Frederick Anderson has not been good in this series. And this is kind of continuing what happened in the second half. It's not really surprising from an overall series perspective. Like, if you would have told us before the series that Anderson isn't that good, Matthews doesn't produce, and Nylander don't produce a lot, and Kadri suspended for three games, we, you, would, we would say they'd be down 3 nothing, or the series would be over. Right. Or 3-1. They couldn't be down 3 nothing because they played four games. Yes. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we would have said 3-1 they'd be down, for yeah. sure. For sure. So that's what's happened, and I think that those are the three most important things reasons why they're down and we can talk about how bad the blue line is and all that stuff we knew all of that coming in that that was a problem for this team anyway it's not like those guys have underperformed what we thought they were yeah and when you look at like certain players on the blue line like you go back to game four in particular and you look at two instances that lead to goals two odd man rushes we were watching it obviously live like everyone else and immediately on the first one i couldn't really understand what Nikita Zaitsev was trying to do there. It just didn't look like the the smart play. And then Roman Polak obviously goes down, isn't able to block the lane, isn't able to kind of prevent the play from happening. Um, Do you think the series just, I I think it obviously does, just highlights what they're going to need to go into the offseason to find? Yeah, and I've been asked that a lot of times, and most of the time my reply is that we already knew that. Like, we already knew that that was by far their biggest need. Um, Maybe what this series does is it highlights other needs, though. Maybe it highlights the fact that Anderson can't play as much as he did this season, and he needs more help in the backup to play more games than McElhaney did or could. Maybe it highlights that 
they've got to rethink what they're doing at center ice. Maybe it highlights, you know, there's 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 going to be a lot. And and the thing too is, I think it reinforces the decision that that you move on from Komarov and Komarov, Bozak and JVR. Yeah, well, and and that's the thing, like. Van Riemsdyk's a really, like, complicated figure because, like, you look at his numbers at the end of the regular season, I think he had 36 goals, um, which is really good. Like, that's, like, top 10 in the league, top 15 in the league. But in a series like this, you can see why it's hard for him to have an impact. Like, he... I don't know. Like, in, in a series like this, it's kind of become clear what his limitations are. He's only going to get goals with someone else kind of creating space and creating opportunities for him. And in this series, there just isn't that guy. Like, I don't I don't know. It's kind of a rambling way to say that this kind of reinforces what I think about him a little bit. We've got Joe Bowen and Paul Hendrick have come into the podcast now in the, in the middle. So we'll maybe move here. Hang on one sec. But you, do you know what I mean? Like, this series, to me, um, kind of reemphasizes the difficulty... I don't know. In in terms of like their future plans with Van Riemsdyk, he hasn't been able to make much of an impact in the series, and it's not really that surprising that he hasn't. To no, me, at least. no. And I wonder if what you do is, I mean, they're going to have a lot of cap space, so maybe it's there's going to be all of this focus on what do they do on defense and how do they make the blue line better. And I think there should be, but I think that they're going to have to look at their forward lines too, and they're going to have to change. They, I mean, they're of course they are. They're going to lose Bozak. They're going to lose JVR. They're probably going to lose. I can't see them bringing Komarov back. Komarov. I, don't, I can't see them bringing Gomorov back. So, you know, that I could see them bringing, being more active in free agency for forwards as well. Well, let's. The season's not over. We'll have plenty of time if the season ends for them to to dissect kind of what they need to do. Uh, but going into Game Five, like there's still opportunity for them to come back in the series. Just because you're down three one doesn't mean you can't win a series. And I think like you wrote about Matthews for the Athletic this morning. He can change the narrative really quickly. Like, he has not had an impactful series, but if he comes out and has a big Game 5, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, suddenly the, the narrative shifts, and suddenly oh, yeah. it's 3-2, and you go back to Toronto yep. feeling good. Like, there's lots of things that can happen to get them back in the series. The way we break down this series and their season is going to hinge in part on what happens here in Game 5 and potentially Game 6 and Game 7. They can change the narrative about this being a, a failure of a series, I think. Even if they really push the Bruins back here in two or three more games, I think that will people will talk about this team differently. Well, and they'll certainly talk about different players differently, and he'll be one of them. Like, one of the questions that will, again, we're going back to the offseason, but, like, people will start talking about Matthews and the captaincy, and, like, right. I think one of the interesting and conversations in the, the contract, but I think one of the interesting conversations for right now um, is breaking him up with Neander. Um, because that line, it just those two had just been so dynamic together for two seasons now. Do you think it highlights anything about why maybe it doesn't work to have those two guys to play together? Or do you just think, like, I'm thinking that maybe this is just series-specific, where you're going against, like, a really kind of bad matchup for them. You're going against, like, the Selkie Trophy winner generally, and a guy like Chara who's... There's no there's no comparison. Like if they were playing Tampa in the first round, I'm not sure we'd be looking at Matthews and Neil and they're saying can they can this work together in the playoffs? Yeah, well, there's two things I would say to that is that number one, the Leafs need another center next year, so that's one reason why you would look at moving Neilander to that position for next season. But the other thing is that 
if you play with Austin Matthews, you are going to get the toughest checking assignments. Yeah. You are going to face the Norris Trophy winning defenseman every single shift in the playoffs. And maybe that's not the best fit for Nylander. Maybe Nylander can create a lot more offense if he's not in that position and you need a different kind of player to play with Matthews. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think we got to be careful not to take four games of a playoff series sure. and when we've seen them play well together for, what, 100 games? Right, know? and if they played Tampa, I don't think this would be a thing. Like, I think they would probably... And Hedman's pretty good, too. Hedman's so. pretty good, yeah. But He'll Hedman's probably win a, the Norris this year. Hedman's a right shot, right? Hedman's, uh, no, he plays with Strawman's Strawman. on the right, right. Yeah. Okay, so it would be the same thing. Um, we should talk a little bit about Marner. Um, because he's had a great series. He's probably been their best player, wouldn't you For say? Sure. Yeah, he's he's been their best well, player. Well, and you asked me after the game the other night, like, who's been their best defenseman? It's, it's hard to think who's been really good on their defense. Um, but would you have considered, like, uh, the idea of putting him with Matthews just to get Matthews going? Or would you look at it and say, it doesn't make sense to take the guy who, who's been generating offense on a different line than Matthews just to get Matthews going? That's a great question. I mean... For this particular game, I would have thought about it. I would have thought about putting Marner there because he's been able to create against Chara, and that's yeah. who Matthews is going to get. Like The Leafs only get back in this series and only win this series if Matthews is more productive, and I think that if you put Marner with him, you have a greater chance of that happening. I would at least like to see it when they're down, when they're down in a game. If they get behind in, in Game 5 here, I, you know, and it's the third period I think that they should be together those two guys are great friends I think they would have great chemistry playing together they want to play together well and it just gives you like a little bit I think what happens sometimes is like you just get a little stale like you've and sometimes like I went back to that game and writing about it for the athletic uh in November where he just put him those two guys together and it just like kind of sparked them it was just like they were excited and and the thing I was thinking about is like you don't necessarily have to stick to it. Like you could have just started the game that way, see what happens, and then if it doesn't work, go back. The thing with Connor Brown is like he's played obviously with Matthews and Hyman before. He's played a lot that way last year, not so much this year. He just doesn't kind of offer you that dynamic that obviously Marner is going to. Like he he hasn't scored in a while offensively. He's just in a completely different class than Marner. Yeah. So if Matthews is going to generate offense at even strength tonight playing with Hyman and Brown, they're probably going to be pretty ugly goals. And I bet you that that is – we could see at the morning skate here that some of the assistant coaches were working with Matthews on him getting getting quick shots off uh, from kind of the high slot. So I wonder if the plan is those two guys get the puck, dump the puck in behind, make Char turn around, go and try and get it and feed Matthews out front. That's exactly what – I was talking to Zach Hyman after game four. That's exactly what he said they had to do. That's they what had to do. cycle more and, and do exactly that. Get their D turned around and get the puck back. That's also, what they're going to ask Brown and Hyman to do. That's from watching morning skate. Well, and you know what? One thing that we should touch on before we wrap um, is Kadri. Like, as much as we're focused on Matthews, if there is one guy we'll look back on if they lose the series, it's going to be Kadri. Like, the, the three-game suspension is obviously devastating like especially when you're not set up that well at center um the guys that have been in the lineup have been taking all of the heat when Kadri should be taken as yeah. much or more of it than anybody yeah and and like you and I both and and he even agrees that he deserves a suspension I think three games is harsh but like you put that yourself in that situation and yeah. in that time I don't know I, I feel like that this, he needs to come back and have a game yeah and I think it's going to be a real long summer for Nazem Kadri if I mean, he's played almost 500 games regular season for the Leafs. 
he's an older veteran player. He's supposed to be one of their leaders, and he let the team down. So he needs, and he, he's one of their most productive offensive players, one of their best defensive players. He needs to have a huge game tonight. All right. Is there anything else you want to mention? No. It's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see. I think we'll we'll in some ways see what the Leafs are made of here if if they can extend the series. All right. Well, we'll be back after Game Five. We'll see if there's a Game Six. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.